welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today we are continuing our Bodies 101 series with Dr. Julie Hakim. Last month, we covered vulvas and vaginas. Today, we are learning about breasts. Julie covers with us basic anatomy, common medical issues, and myths. As per usual, I learned so much. You'll notice in this episode that Julie actually shares her screen to show the breast anatomy. We'll be uploading this video version uh, to our website under the resource tab very soon. Enjoy the Boobs 101 episode. Julie, 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 it's so awesome to have you back on. Thank you. I am super excited to be here. Early morning podcasting about boobs. What could be better? (laughs) My favorite guy now. Did you know when we first met, you were saved in my phone for like at least a year as Julie Gyno because I couldn't (laughs) remember your last name when I saved it. (laughs) That's super funny. I actually had a conversation with somebody yesterday who is male and uh, I was giving him some medical advice and he said, you know, I told that to my family doctor and I said, my gynecologist told me. And anyway, so I'm I'm sort of everybody's gynecologist. You are. You are. Well, that actually is why we're here today because we are in our Bodies 101 series, right? Where we are uh, talking about different parts of the body so we can learn about it and know what is mythical and what's factual and like what should we should care about, what should we not care about, right? Totally. I think it's so important. I think it's incredibly important for women to know their anatomy, their issues, to be able to really help them distill some of the information that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, men need to know about women's bodies too, yep. you know, yep. the world. So here we go. Uh, What body part are we talking about today? Well, we did vulvas and vaginas, our last body series. Mm -hmm. So, you know, basically the next most important part of the female body is going to be breasts. So we're going to do a little breast series today. Breasts. Brought to you by Femtech Focus. A little bit of a (laughs) this morning. Oh my gosh. I love it. I, 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 you know, just like the last episode we did on vaginas and vulvas, I I had a sense that I knew most things and I left being like, oh my God, I had no idea like about half of the things. So I'm really excited today to like learn again. (laughs) You know, what's super fun about the podcast in general is that we both get to learn on air. You know, I learned other guests and every time I'm listening I'm like wow that's a mind-blowing fact I did not know <laughs> who is this person how amazing are they and all of us learning together in community it's so fantastic and how rich is life that we get to do this yeah and for those watching the video today this is I have Q in my lap this is why my hands look like I'm petting my own 
vulva. I'm not. I'm petting a dog in my lap. (laughs) He's just a little bit lower than the camera. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Let's get into it. Boobs 101. So let's kick it off with anatomy. Yeah. So just the kind of overview, um, you know, folks listening, we're going to kind of touch on a couple of themes, right? We're going to touch on anatomy. I think knowing your anatomy really is important because it helps inform everything else. If you're not clear on the anatomy, other things can be kind of vague and confusing. So we're going to do that. We're going to go over some common complaints, common issues, breast pain, um, breast discharge, Then we're going to get into lumps, bumps, and cancer, because that is always a topic that needs discussing. We're going to do some myths and some top fours. So my God, so excited. I know. I know. All right. So let's get going. So I'm going to do the whole screen share. I promise it won't be a long and involved situation here, but host has disabled. Okay. So we'll start there. Uh-huh. Hold on, making you co-host. We're living in COVID times, y'all. I made you a co-host. There you go. All right, boo. Go. <laughs> y'all can see this, yes? Yes. Okay. Boobs 101. <gasps> so I just so this is gonna be in your face. Here it is. Yeah. So here's what's important. Let's gonna let's start on this side where it looks more anatomical because I think that's really relevant. Okay. So first of all, you have this muscle down here. It's called your pectoralis muscle. Mm -hmm. Then in your breast itself, it's basically made up of three types of tissue. You have sort of your fibrous tissue, your ligaments, your connective tissue. You've got fatty tissue and you've got glandular tissue. Okay. Your glandular tissue has all these lobes and lobules. So there's lobes and then smaller ones become lobules. There's kind of 15 to 20 lobules in each breast. This is where milk is actually produced. Okay. And fluffy things, they look like grapes. And you can see there's some ducts right here that basically bring milk production to the nipple. Okay. So the main components are connective tissue, fatty tissue, milk producing tissue. Okay. The reason that I'm mentioning these types of tissue specifically is that it's going to come up again when women ask a lot about how do I increase my breast size and what can I do to make my breast grow or shrink? And we will talk about what is the component of breast size. So I'm so excited because that's exactly (laughs) what I was going to ask you about. How do I I make bigger as long? Right. So, okay. So milk producing tissue. Now let's look over here on this sort of uh, more anatomical um, on the right side, Mm -hmm. my screen. So what I really want to bring your attention to here is, so you have your breast tissue component, this kind of red circle around your nipple, this whole complex is not called your nipple. Okay. This is called your areola. Your areola is this kind of red circle around your nipple, Mm -hmm. largely contains all these glands. Okay. You can kind of see them here in the picture. I get questions about this all the time. You may have little glands that are around on your areola that may or may not be prominent. Mm -hmm. Those are called Montgomery glands. Basically they're there just to lubricate um, the nipple. So they may be more or less pronounced. And then you have your nipple. Okay, so I just want to kind of bring your attention to like this whole red area is not called the nipple. It's like how people call the vulva the vagina and you're like, well, actually, 
Exactly. That's, that's exactly the analogy I was going for. And then look at all these lymph nodes. Okay. So your breast has tons of lymph nodes right up into your axillary region. That's why when I'm doing breast exams and I always tell my patients, I'm going to go right in your armpit because you have tissue in there that I need to feel. So you have all kinds of lymph nodes in there. Lymph nodes make immune cells. They also can carry cancerous cells. So that's why that's important. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's all we're going to say for anatomy. This is just another picture. What I want to talk about next is exams. And this will come up again, but I want to just bring this up so that you know how to do a breast exam. And I'll tell you what components of the breast exam are important. Okay. And then I'll tell you when to do breast exams. But these are some pretty good pictures, and I thought they were important to uh, go over. So breast self-exams, ladies and gentlemen, and all other people who are listening, um, you should be doing your breast exams once a month. Once a month. You should look, Okay with arms up or lying down, doesn't matter. You can be kind of like sunbathing, like in this picture, number four here. Mm -hmm. You can either go in circles all around in every quadrant of your breast, um, or you can go in lines, okay? Doesn't matter how you do it. Circles or lines, doesn't matter. Here's what you're looking for, okay? You're looking for, first of all, am I having any pain, okay? Am I having any changes in skin texture that I can see sort of like puckering, or does it look fuller in one area or another? Mm. Am I having any changes in my nipple? Am I having any discharge from my nipple? Are there any lumps or bumps that I can feel? Mm-hmm. Okay. Really all you need to know for breast self-exams. What I usually tell people, I'm just going to stop sharing here. What I usually tell people is just pick a consistent time in the month to do it. Um, you can do it in the shower. You can do it when you wake up. Doesn't matter. But if you know, if you have a regular period, just pick a time. Either my period starts, I'm going to do my breast exam. My period ends, I'm going to do my breast exam. So that you're always consistently feeling at the same time in the month. Mm-hmm. Or like I pay rent today, or I pay <laughs> rent today, or I got paid time to feel my breast. <laughs> yes, I like that one better. <laughs> Spend my money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, the reason that I wanted to bring up the anatomy, you know, it's really important. So Mm -hmm. when women ask, and we're going to go over some of the myths, like, how do I know I have enough? How are my breasts big enough that I can make enough milk? How do I make my breasts bigger? Then we'll talk about specifically what type of tissue makes milk and why, if you have small breasts, it doesn't matter. You have enough glandular tissue. Um, small breast size is related to the fatty tissue. Got it. Got it. Not anything else. Okay. So that's that. So that's anatomy. Questions about anatomy world, any questions, type it in the chat, send us messages. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll ask one question real quick. Um, statistics on like average, breast size and like, is it associated with ethnicity and you know, like what, cause I know for myself in middle school and even in high school too, I felt like really bad about the size of my breasts. I was like, they're not huge and I want big boobs. And now I'm like, thank God I have 34, 36 B's cause I can still run and I can do things. And I have girlfriends with way bigger boobs and they struggle a lot. So I'm yeah. grateful. 
But like, can you, do you know anything about the statistics of what is the average breast size? And also same for areolas and nipples. Um, I don't know about areolas, areolas, um, and nipples. I think it's actually areoli and areoli and nipples. I have no idea what the average size is, to be honest with you. The average bra size. Now that does not necessarily mean the average breast size because it fitted, but let's just assume they're linear. Um, the average bra size is actually 34 double D if I'm not mistaken. Holy moly. Average U S breast size. Yes. So we have some busty folks and, and ladies. Yes. So all that to say, you know, all of the um, bra companies that are making bra sizes to fit what women actually need and make them comfortable. I know you've interviewed a few on the podcast, like bless you. Thank you. Ladies, you need to go and get fitted. It's super convenient to try and order it online. And, you know, if it was prime available, you would do it. Of course, it's convenient. But the point is you need to get fitted. Yeah. Um, Then order or order a whole bunch of sizes. The other thing is that bras are not all made equal. So one size and one type of bra is not the size. No, no, that's right. That's right. All right. I have one last breast question and I want to go into common issues. Um, so your nipples, our nipples, Mm -hmm. my nipples, they get hard, they get soft. And so like, is that a blood thing similar to like an erection thing or? Yeah. I mean, so I think, you know, just from experience, right. You go outside somewhere cold Mm -hmm. and your, your nipples are going to get, you know, harder, smaller, same thing. It's just blood, right. It's just blood flow. Okay. thing with sexual stimulation, right? They change. So you saw all of those, um, you know, blood vessels that are all over the breast, right? We, we just saw all the ducts, all the lymphatic tissue, all the blood flow. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Cool. All right. Let's get into common issues. Common issues. Okay. So common issues are going to be and these are the most common that I see in clinic. I'm, I think they're the most common for women, but I'm going to assume, um, breast pain, breast discharge. Um, I know we talked about that at Femtech focus about breast discharge being one of the third most common breast complaint for women. I couldn't believe that. I couldn't. I know. I'm excited I a lot. to learn more. Yeah. So let's talk about breast pain. I think so um, breast pain can be a number of reasons, right? The most common reasons are going to be hormonal. So around your period, just we all, all women, basically, I think we've all experienced that our breasts get tender at different points during our cycle. So at a high level, menstrual cycle, assuming women have a kind of regular cycle, you're going to have estrogen that goes up at the beginning of your cycle. And then you're going to have progesterone that rises at the, towards the second half of your cycle. Okay. So when estrogen is going up, basically breasts can become tender. Um, when progesterone goes up, breasts can actually, like you can retain water and the milk ducts actually can swell. Oh, there's different types. So women can have different, like I have breast pain more at the beginning of my cycle. I have breast pain more at the end of my cycle, Uh right? 
right. Ovulate. If you know when you ovulate, you know, that's when your progesterone is really rising. Well, okay. Most likely that's due to your progesterone, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Now we've all talked about what needs innovating in femtech. <laughs> all of you innovators out there, there really isn't anything to do for breast pain. It's, mm. it's terrible. Mm. Women have breast pain and we don't have great solutions. So somebody brilliant, please work on fix this. It. Fix this yeah. booby issue. It's a booby issue and it is uncomfortable and there's really not much to do except warm compresses, analgesics, you know, like Tylenol ibuprofen. Uh-huh. There's some very kind of not great studies about reducing caffeine. Um, <laughs> but it's not like from one day to the next, I'm going to stop drinking coffee and my boob, my boob pain is going to go away. It's just not like that. We wish, but it's not. There's some other poor studies about eating flaxseed. Now, listen, I love flaxseed. Oh. Flaxseed is good for you. Uh-huh. Flaxseed is good for you. Uh, you can grind it up, put it in your smoothies. But again, it's not going to fix your boob pain from one day to the next. So there really isn't much to offer. Mm. All right, innovators, get on it. Fix the boob pain. Please, for women worldwide who have boob pain with their cycles, somebody do something. Yeah. Make it better. Do it. All right. What about, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to talk about breastfeeding, pain with breastfeeding. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. That came up recently, right? So that's called mastitis. So itis is inflammation. Uh The, you know, rest of the word is related to your breast. So that usually comes around with breastfeeding, right? So Mm -hmm. mastitis is usually associated with breastfeeding. It's usually when there is sort of trapped, either trapped milk or a blocked duct. And a blocked milk duct, and we looked at the milk ducts, right? You saw those grape-like tissues, and there's ducts. So that those ducts can get blocked either with, usually with bacteria, to be honest. So that's usually, oh. yeah. And that can be that can be really painful. Yeah, I really, can't. really, really painful. So um, you know, usually, how does it get unblocked? So. Really, it's, you need to kind of do as much as you can to empty that breast, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's blocked, you need warm compress. Again, there's not much, right? Warm compresses kind of try and unblock it. Mm-hmm. You may need antibiotics. But some of the kind of preventative uh, things to do is make sure that breast is fully drained when you're breastfeeding. So make sure the breast is being emptied completely before you switch to the next breast. Oh. You don't skip breastfeeding. I know women who are breastfeeding, there's no way. It's so uncomfortable. You know, when <laughs> getting full, they're like, I need to go. I need to bump. I need to this. No, we can't do this. Um and, you know, make sure you're getting a good latch so that it is getting drained and have your favorite lactation consultant on hand. Mm-hmm. Is it just one hole in the nipple that the milk comes out of, or is it multiple holes? There's multiple. Each duct has its own. Oh, kind. really? And how many ducts are there? That I don't know, actually. I know there's a bunch of lobules and I'm assuming each lobule has its own duct, but breast anatomists, if anybody knows out there, maybe a lactation consultant would be able to tell us that. Yeah. So it's less of a like uh, fire hose and more of a like shower. Correct. (gasps) Interesting. Very interesting. Oh my goodness. Huh. Huh. So So ladies, 
there's not much to do for your cyclical breast pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, empty your boobs when you're breastfeeding. Get that latch. Breastfeeding is a whole other topic. Bless all of the lactation consultants out there. Bless, Bless you, lactation ladies. Thank yeah. you. And men. And men. Thank men. you. I don't know yeah. if there's lactation yeah. consultants. But anyways. Um, nipple discharge. Yeah. Speaking about things coming out of your nipples, tell you yeah. mentioned something in our Slack channel and I was like, what? And I was like, all right, I'm going to learn a lot when we talk about this. <laughs> well, I see it a lot in clinic. I re- we really do. We really do see breast, uh, nip, uh, sorry, nipple discharge a lot in clinic. Um, yeah. Third most common complaint, 80% of reproductive women will have nipple discharge in their lifetime. And it's not because they're breastfeeding. Well, that is one of the reasons to have one of the reasons yeah. outside of breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So like what is being discharged and why is it happening? Yeah. So some of the more typical reasons to have breast discharge. So lactation we talked about, and you can actually have some sort of leakage of milky fluid or, or, you know, milk actually even up to two years after breastfeeding is completed. I did not know that it was that long. I really, I was surprised. I maybe ladies who breastfeed, if you could enlighten us, I had no idea that you could still have, you know, milk production that late. Okay. Um, otherwise like hormonal changes, pregnancy, we talked about even Mm -hmm. that, um, thyroid issues, Okay. Yes. We always screen for that. There is another hormone called prolactin Mm -hmm. that's in the body and you can actually have a tumor called a prolactinoma and that can produce a milky discharge. So we always screen for those things. Okay. Yeah. And there are, mm -hmm. you mentioned something in Slack about a certain activity. Yes. Your chances of it. Yes. Yes. There are some medications that will produce, um, discharge. So, um, ladies taking neuroleptics, some antipsychotics, antidepressants, those are things that we always ask about, you know, different types of medications. Those can cause nipple discharge, uh, drug use can cause nipple discharge. So marijuana use for sure. Yes. I couldn't believe it when you said that. I was like, what? (laughs) I know that was a funny little slack exchange that we had. Um, also just breast stimulation. So if you're stimulating your own breast or your breast is being stimulated and I'll tell you where that could happen. So I had a patient once who had to drive long distances to commute okay. and the seat belt was always rubbing across her chest. <gasps> that, yeah. Yeah. So crazy. And then yeah. what happened? She started discharging it. She was having, yeah, breast discharge from one breast. And she, you know, we went through the whole gamut of things. Like what could, you know, we screened her upside down and sideways. And finally I asked her, like, is there anything that's rubbing across your chest all the time? And she said, you know, I drive for long distances to work mm. and the seatbelt doesn't really, it's an awkward seatbelt. Anyways, that took care of it. Whoa! <laughs> oh my God! Whoa! Just to move her seatbelt. <laughs> I know seatbelt induced breast discharge. So listen, <laughs> breast discharge can look different colors, and that's what, listen. It's scary, right? I can totally appreciate you have breast discharge coming out of one nipple or both nipples, and maybe it's green, maybe it's black, maybe it's bloody. Whoa. 
Like, yeah, it can be scary. I would, I a hundred percent, you know, fully empathize with, you know, just that fear. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. milky, we talked about could be, you know, hormonal prolactinomas, thyroid. We check all that stuff. Meds, um, block ducts can look green, can look yellow, can even look black, Mm -hmm. black Mm -hmm. discharge. Bloody discharge is usually um, something called an intraductal papilloma. So that's just a benign kind of tumor and it's in the duct. Okay. You know where the ducts are now. Wow. Um, what else? Pus. You can definitely have pus mm-hmm. coming out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it is scary, but don't, you know, I think the, the thing that most women are fearful of, of course, is, oh my God, I have a breast cancer, right? I have discharge. Yeah. I must have cancer. Yeah. So ladies, I'm going to reassure you most of the time, especially if you have, you know, discharge as the only symptom going on, it's unlikely it's breast cancer. Yeah. Definitely get checked out, but especially if it's one duct or one side and not the other side, and that's the only symptom, it's unlikely it's breast cancer. Like let's, let's get it looked at. What are some other common issues? So we talked about breast pain. We talked about discharge. Is there any other common issues you see? Um, I see mainly like breast asymmetry. I know I've talked, I mean, in my patient population, that definitely comes up. So I, I see girls under age 21 and I get that question a lot about breast asymmetry. And do all Um, women have one breast bigger than the other? Definitely. Sometimes it's more noticeable, just like your eyeballs are not the same, right? We talked about that with your labia, uh-huh. labia the lips of your, of your vulva. Those are not the same either. Your eyeballs yeah. don't look the same. I have one eye that's different than the other for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely you have one breast that's different than the other breast. You have one foot that's different too. I mean, so, you know, there it is. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, so yeah. I admittedly, my left breast is bigger than my right one. Not by much. I thought I was the only one who could notice. And I was spending some time with a partner. And one night I thought, how it'd be so funny to ask, I, you know, Hey, did you know I have one breast bigger than the other? And he was like, yeah, it's your left one. And I was like, duh, what? Like, I thought I was the only one who could notice, you know? And I was like, actually, that's super like aware of you, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, some women can have very noticeable differences in their face, right? Like, you know, striking. Uh Um, So it is normal. I mean, to have differences in your breasts. And and when I have patients that come and see me, definitely we, we get out the measuring tapes, right? We have, you know, parameters upon which is normal, not normal. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, you have to kind of make sure about two things. One is the larger size having a problem, the larger side, excuse mm-hmm. me, having a problem, right? Is there a cyst? Is there a mass? Is there something in there that's causing it to be bigger than the other one? Yeah. And then conversely, is the smaller side the issue? So there are some conditions causing one side of the chest, not necessarily the breast, but one side of the chest not to form. Um, I just picked up an eight-year-old that had that, um, in clinic on Monday. So there is certain conditions that can cause the breast not to form on one side, Wow! Uh, but largely there's not much to do unless the breasts are really strikingly different. Mm -hmm. Other than that, you know, it's 
kind of making sure you have a, a bra, going to a bra store. There's a couple of stores. I mean, we're in Houston. I know this podcast is all over, but there are stores, right, that specifically work with women with breast asymmetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm glad there. that those exist. Oh, they're the most wonderful patient women because oh. it, we work at that store, you know, they, or, you know, they just are aware of women's issues who've had mastectomies, who've had other considerations that need a different bra. So that's right. Yeah, that's that. Speaking of uh, boobies, I do want to bring up a startup really quickly. It's called Brilliantly and Brilliantly is creating these like little heating pads for your breasts for women who had mastectomies and then they had reconstructive surgery because apparently one of the common complaints is that once they get the reconstructive surgery, their breasts are really cold, like all the time, because they don't have that blood flow and they don't have all that tissue. And so it like hurts. And so wow. brilliantly is a startup making these little pads that got heated up inside your bra. Isn't that fun? That is fun. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. I I mean, that's, again, it's like just these amazing issues that are being solved left, yeah. right, and center. And the founder, you know, said, of course, as you and I know, like the doctors are mostly like, but you've survived cancer. Like you're complaining about cold boobies. And she's like, yeah, it like hurts so much. I have to go inside, you know, like, yeah, I am complaining about it. I can be a survivor and want a high quality of life, you know? Yes. I think we've gotten to the point in, in just women's lives and medicine in general, that it doesn't have to be binary one or zero, like I survived and that's it, you know, or I didn't, I survived and I can have quality of life that is meaningful to me. Right. That's why we talked about vaginal scarring, right. It's not just your cancer and then the shop is closed. You know what I mean? It's not just survive breast cancer and then you suffer. Yeah. So, well, let's get into myths. So you said you had some myths for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So one of them we I kind of already jumped ahead and segued into. One of them was breast size is equal to milk production, right? So if I have small boobs, am I going to make enough? I'm not going to make enough milk to be able to, you know, sustain my child. So we now know because you're breast experts now in anatomy, you know, that's not true, right? Because the gland size is independent. The gland, the amount of lobules that you have is not what contributes to your breast size. So your breast size is largely determined by the fatty tissue. And so you can have small breasts and you will still have enough glands and lobules and lobes to produce milk. So do not worry if you have small breasts, ladies, you will still nourish your baby. And is it genetic uh, in terms of how much fat is put into your breasts and therefore you have bigger or smaller ones? I mean, some is genetic. Yeah. Some is, you know, where fat gets distributed, distributed on your body. So that was another, you know, myth is, can I gain, can I eat something to make my breasts grow? Can I gain weight and my breasts will grow or can I lose weight and my breasts will shrink? Um, There's nothing really to eat to make your breasts grow because basically losing weight and gaining weight in a targeted body part is not really that easy, right? Or possible. Like you can't just say, I want to lose weight in my thighs. It's like you weight everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. So there's not really a way to increase your breast size just by eating something. Now, if you do gain weight all over your body, you may gain weight in your breast too, because it's fatty tissue, but it's not going to, I'm going to target right there and get 
Yeah. And speaking of like breast size, making them bigger, blah, 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 like Mm -hmm. breast implants, do you, I just Mm -hmm. have a question about the breast implants because I'm sure we could talk a lot about it, but um, do, where in the anatomy are the breast implants put? Because are women able to still breastfeed after if they get it? I believe so. To be honest, I'm not a breast implant expert and that I don't know. So if there are, you know, plastic surgeons out there, I'm assuming but I don't want to say something that's not incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that breast implants are not, you know, a forever solution in the sense that what I didn't know was that they have sort of a 10 year warranty, actually, like they're kind of good for 10 years and you have a 1% risk of them rupturing per year. Whoa. So, yeah. So there's like a, I did not know that there was like a lifespan, to be honest, of them. Uh That's different. So I guess if you're choosing to have breast implants, chances are you may need to have them redone or have them fitted for 10 years. We need to get a plastic surgeon on here. Talk about all things cosmetic women and, you know, why is it, is it necessary? What's cosmetic versus health and what's the consequences? And that would be awesome. Yeah. So, um, plastic surgeons listening, get in touch, reach out to us. We'd like to hear from you. We need to know about breast implants and cosmetic procedures. So come on, come on over. What other myths do you have for us, Julie? I had myths about, it's a nice segue into um, breast cancer. So Mm. the myth is that all breast cancer is genetic and that is not true. Mm -hmm. So only about 10% of breast cancers are actually genetic. The rest are, are, you know, spontaneous mutations. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the risk factors that are things that a woman can change. And there are risk factors that a woman can't change but you know me, I'm all about agency. So knowing that there are risk factors that you can influence, super important. So 10% of the breast cancers around 10% are genetic. The rest- Because of your environment. Yes. Yes. And things you can think about. Awesome. So I don't know how much more time we have, but let's, let's talk quickly about breast cancer because I think it is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we got like seven more minutes, Dr. Julie. Okay. Woo, seven minutes of breast cancer. Okay, guys, here we go. Seven <laughs> minutes of breast cancer. So let's talk about just the general overview of breast cancer. So there are, and now that you're breast anatomy experts, this will make more sense, which is why we start with anatomy. So there are at a high level, two types of breast cancer, invasive and non-invasive. So non-invasive breast cancer, that is breast cancer that is still in the ducts. So now you know where the ducts are, okay? So still in the ducts, it's early stage. Usually it's still located inside the ducts. So it hasn't invaded to the rest of the tissue, okay? So when you hear words like non-invasive and invasive, invasive means that it's spread outside of the duct to the rest of the breast tissue. Now you know what that means, mm-hmm. okay? So that's like super, super high level. Um, I get this all the time. What is my risk of breast cancer? Mm-hmm. So the lifetime risk of breast cancer is about one in eight or 12% of women. Wow. That's still really high. <laughs> still really high. It is high. It is. That's a high number. So one in eight. The great news is though, and we touched on this earlier, the five-year survival is 90%. So women are surviving their breast cancers. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, that means quality of life is important afterwards. So um, the key, 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 which is why I started with breast self-exams is early detection. Okay, yeah. so the best way for you to detect breast cancers early, ladies, men, world, do your breast self-exams. Mammograms, people, if you're 40, it's time to make it happen. <laughs> I know it's like, oh God, here I am, I'm 40, I have to get a mammogram. But yes, you do. Mammograms, every one to two years, starting at age 40, catch it early. Okay, average average breast cancers are going to happen after age 50. The average age is 62 mm. for women. But still, you need to be doing your annual mammograms. Just got to catch it early. That's the key. That's the key. Now I got asked about thermography. What is so, that? Yeah. So thermography is basically a different type of imaging. It's using heat sensitive infrared cameras uh-huh. um, to basically detect like heat emissions. Yep. So you could imagine that a solid tumor is going to have more inflammation and more blood flow mm-hmm. and that it theory, you could pick up a heat gradient between a tumor and the rest of the surrounding tissue, which may be normal, right? Because of blood flowing. Okay. Um, So I got asked, well, what about thermography? Is that a way to, you know, detect or image or uh, a woman's breast? And, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have the small amount of radiation component that a mammogram does. So what about that? So I looked into it a little bit more. There's actually no good studies. There's no good evidence. And in fact, there's very strong wording from the FDA that thermography shouldn't be used as a detection tool. Okay. So the positive predictive value. So when you look at some of the studies and there's not a whole lot of studies on thermography. So you would think Mm -hmm. if it's a predictive tool, we would have more studies on it. So the fact that there's no great studies usually is sort of a red flag when you're PubMedding, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The positive predictive value is actually, so that means the thermographer or the, you know, the scan picks something up and then the woman truly has breast cancer. Okay. So the predictive value that's positive was pretty low. It's only about a quarter, 25%. Oh, okay. Mammograms are up above 80%. So ultrasounds too. So mammogram. So unfortunately, thermography, you know, the FDA came out with a warning that it should not be used. So sorry. No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> infrared cameras or whatever it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. So that's that. So end of that story. Um Okay, let's talk about the other question that I get a lot is uh-huh. what are what are things that cause me to have increased risk of breast cancer? And the one that comes up a lot is birth control. Okay. So does birth control cause me to have an increased risk of breast cancer? Uh-huh. So or hormone therapy. So we'll start with birth control. And there is a slightly higher risk after five years use of birth control. Oh. Okay. There was a recent study, 2017, I think, or 18, it came out in the New England Journal of Medicine, okay? The risk is really small, ladies. So I want to just like preface like, yes, there is a higher risk, but let's listen to the numbers, okay? One in 7,700. So one increased case out of 76, 
7,690, sorry. Okay. <laughs> 7,700, one in 7,700. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's not, it's not dramatic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was a lot of like splash about increased risk, but let's actually look at the numbers and in women under the age of 35, that's even lower. So it's one in 50,000. Okay. okay. A lot lower if you're under 35. So ladies, birth control is helpful. Okay. (laughs) Getting pregnant, um, you know, outweighs the one in 50,000 extra risk of breast cancer. You have to decide that. yourself. Okay. That's your own calculus, but let's just put the numbers out there. I love it. Um, you're so informative. You're so far. I'm like taking notes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm learning so much. (laughs) Still like the, the facts and the myths, right. And things, of course it's scary. Of course. I totally get it. I a hundred percent get it. I have boobs too. So of course I am nervous about breast cancer, but you know, you have to know the numbers and then that helps alleviate some of the kind of what's hype and what's real things to be worried about. And that's why we do these bodies 101, right? What's hype and what's real. Yeah. And here are the things that you can do that actually will have a bigger impact on your risk of breast cancer, right? So here are the risks that you can modify ladies, men, you know, whoever's listening, all our, all our peeps in Azerbaijan, like this is what you can do. Okay. So listen, inactivity is a major contributor. Okay. Being overweight that is a major contributor to breast cancer. Mm. Something you can do something about. Okay. So, you know, you gotta, you know, get, get your body moving, get active. Yeah. Especially after menopause. Okay. Weight gain after menopause. Let's, you know, listen, I get it. It's hard. The metabolism is going sideways. You eat one thing and it's hard to lose weight and gain weight and things are haywire, but you know, um, inactivity is a major risk factor that you can do something about. Yeah. Okay. Um, hormone replacement after menopause. Okay. So that definitely, it does have an increased risk of breast cancer, especially if you're using it, you know, after, so, you know, the average is about two to three years if you're using it for symptom relief and everything else hasn't worked. So there are non-hormonal medications and things you can do to relieve some of the symptoms of menopause. Mm -hmm work, you can use hormone replacement therapy. We usually say two to three years, four years max, mm-hmm. you know, then try and wean off of it. Yep. Yep. So the, there is an increased risk. It's zero. Yes. 0.1 to 2.3% increased risk, uh, per year of using HRT. Okay. Got so it. you can, you know, get off the HRT when you can use other things if you can, um, other things that you can modify, uh, your reproductive history. So some of these, you know, are going to go against everything that I said, but early pregnancy. Okay. So early pregnancy will reduce your risk of breast cancer, but like, let's, let's be real about. Yeah. Cost benefit there. Why? (laughs) Breastfeeding can reduce your risk as well. Oh, um, alcohol consumption that definitely can increase your risk of breast cancer. So these are things you can do things about. Okay. So 
You have the really? you have the power, ladies. You got the power to decrease your chances, you know? Yes. And so there's other things that you can't do anything about. And those are just what they are. Yeah. And yep. the best to do is protect yourself for the other things, right? Age is not something you can modify. You are the age you are. Mm-hmm. As much as we all wish, but you know, mm-hmm. let's, let's be real. Um, genetics, right? We, we talked about 10%. It's genetic. You've heard about BRCA1, BRCA2, right? Those are genetic yeah. mutations. And those are just, you know, things that happen. Um, there's other, a whole bunch of other genes that can be abnormal. Um, ATN, TP53, P10, you know, there's a list. All the, but anyway, all the genes. You can't do anything about having those, right? Yeah. You yeah. can do things to reduce your risk of getting breast cancer if you do have them, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can't do anything about your family history. So you may have had relatives. If you have a first degree relative, your risk of breast cancer is twofold increased, wow. right? If you have a male in your family that's had breast cancer, men can get breast cancer. That risk goes up. So um, so not much you can do about that. Yeah. Well, anyway. I love that we can still like, even just the education part is empowering, right? Even if it's the education about what you can't control, it's empowering. Um, I could talk to you about bodies all day long, but we got to wrap it up. So give us a parting message for our listeners. Parting messages, ladies, you know, I love top, top numbers, top four, top 10, top six. I love the (laughs) Yes. Okay. Top four things to do for your boobs. Number one, invest in a good bra. Mm. I can't say that enough. Ladies, boob sag is a thing. Okay. Gravity is always going to win. <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There is no cream. There is no thing to eat. There is no nothing. You know, it is literally gravity, hormones, change in connective tissue. You know where that is now losing weight, all of those things will contribute to boob sex. So the only thing to do, get a great bra, go and find your favorite bra store, make friends with them, love them, bless them, get a good bra, invest in it. Don't spend your money on creams. There's nothing to do. Okay. It's not going to help. Number two, deodorant and bra- and bras do not cause breast cancer. Oh, that was a myth. Please use deodorant. Do you use, Okay. Use deodorant. You can use whatever kind you want, you know, natural doesn't matter, you know, but you know, deodorant is important. Okay. Smell is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's, and it doesn't cause breast cancer, neither does wearing a bra. So that was a myth that went around for a while. Yeah. Uh, do your breast exams. Number three, top, right. We're doing top four things for your boobs. Number one, get a bra. Number two, wear deodorant. It's fine. Number three, do your breast self-exams. Catch it early. You have control over that risk factor. It takes literally three seconds to do. Yep. Uh, Now you know how to do it. You know what you're looking for. Number four, boob sweat. It's a thing. It's a thing. Boob sweat. It is such a thing. (laughs) It's a thing. I get asked about it all the time. I have lesions. I have lumps and bumps. I have things under my bra because I have boob sweat it's a thing. It happens. It's okay. Everybody has boob sweat. So guess what you can do? You can actually use deodorant on other parts of your body and it's okay. So use deodorant under your boobs. 
You can also use deodorant in your groin, not in your vagina, but in your- Leave it alone. Leave it alone, but around it. Boob sweat. It's a thing. Don't be upset. Just, you know, you can do things to modify boob sweat. It's okay. Julie, I feel like I know my body so much more. You are incredible. Thank you so much for the boob lesson today. (laughs) Boobs are important. Love them. Um, Take care of them, ladies. Um, know your stuff, know your anatomy, know what you can modify in terms of your risk factors. Go and get a bra. We love you all. Love it. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Sorry, Julie, I'm going to run because I have a a call with Bayer Pharmaceutical. Go, go. Yeah. Nail it. Awesome. That was later. Say bye. Thank you for listening to our bonus episode with my co-founder, Dr. Julie Hakeem, on breasts. We love doing the Bodies 101 series because if we're going to improve women's health and wellness, we all need to know the basics. Alrighty, Femme fans, Giving Tuesday is coming up, and Femtech Focus needs your support. We have a goal of raising $75,000 by the end of the year please consider donating to our organization so we can continue to elevate and fight for women's health and wellness equality. The funding goes directly to operations such as this podcast, our virtual network, and our events. Any amount you can donate would be extremely helpful. You can find this campaign through our social media accounts at Femtech Focus or at our website, femtechfocus.org. Until next time, Keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.